we've been reading about uh, Ezra's discussion of the children of Israel coming back with Zerubbabel. And this first few chapters in the book of Ezra were written uh, about 70 or so years before Ezra actually leaves Babylon and comes back to Jerusalem. And so he's writing historically at this point. And then he comes about, like I said, 70 years later. And then after him, some years after that, comes uh, Nehemiah. So three different waves of exoduses out of Babylon. And so he's still discussing this first wave out when about uh, close to 50,000 people left Babylon and came to Jerusalem and started to rebuild it. So chapter 4, verse 1. When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Eshkaharon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Okay, so here's nice. You got some nice neighbors, right? So you move him back into the neighborhood, and you find you have some nice neighbors who want to help you out and help cut your grass and take care and, and help you around the house. They see you got some projects to do. And they come over and they say, oh, you know, if you need some help with painting around the house or, you know, or any type of projects, uh, repairing that little fence you got there, we're here to help and we're happy to, to help. And, uh, and so they come with this nice greeting, right? And they even say, we worship the same God that you do, right? We've been, we've been sacrificing to the same God that you do ever since we were brought to this land. Now, that obviously is not exactly right. You know, not all gods are the same god. There is uh, differences in, in beliefs and in religions. You know, they may say, well, hey, you know, we've been sacrificing. We see you guys sacrificing. We sacrifice also, right? You, have, you burn your lambs. We burn our kids. You know, what's the difference, right? It's kind of similar. And not that these guys were burning kids at that point, but there were groups that certainly were, right? And there are differences today. Right? You know, it's not this coexist that all religions are the same. They're not all the same. Not every God is the same God. Right? Not every description. You know, you just look at how they're described and what they've, how they, 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 each religion teaches about their God. They're not all the same. Right? There is a distinct difference. And so, but they're saying they do. Now, there's another hint here that we have about these people that maybe uh, Zerubbabel didn't know about, but Ezra, being living again about 70 years later, sees and knows and wrote into the text, it calls them when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants they offered to help. So how does Zerubbabel respond? to their nice gesture to help out. But Zerubbabel and Yeshua, the Kohen Gadol, and the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to them, you may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord our God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. So he takes a straight no answer to them, gives them a straight no answer, he takes a hard line, and, uh, and that, no doubt, was a tough call. Uh, even if it was the right call, it's a tough call, right? Someone's offering to do something nice for you. You know, we don't like saying no. And it's hard to say no. And yet, we, sometimes we have to say no. And so, it's, uh, he says, he gives the no answer. And he tells them, flat out, no, you're not going to help us. Now, it's not that they didn't receive any help from anyone. Because they did receive help. They, in the last chapter, we saw that they uh, received uh, logs from Lebanon, and it was shipped down from Lebanon down to a port in Haifa, and then brought from Haifa all the way to Jerusalem, which is quite a journey, especially back then. And it's not flat Florida. You know, they're going up and down hills and mountains to get the, the, the logs there. And so they used and paid and had other people helping but for this group, he says, no, flat out, no. And maybe because he knew maybe they were adversaries. Maybe he knew their hearts. Maybe he knew their intention. 
Maybe he knew that they weren't up front with who they were really worshiping. Then again, maybe in their minds they thought, it's all the same. It doesn't really matter. We got a pantheon of gods and your God is just one of them. Or they're all the same or it doesn't really matter. But for whatever reason, Zerubbabel and the others, they obviously got together in the heads of households and they had a meeting and they said to say no thank you. And so, all right, so they said no. They go back to work, the other guys go back home, and that's the end of it, right? <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> and the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purposes all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So from like 10 to 20 years, they troubled them and they caused them problems. Didn't make it easy at all. You know, and some people just can't take no for an answer. <laughs> But they're really showing their true light here. They're showing their true colors. Because if it really was just a good deed, really just wanting to help out, really just wanting to be neighborly, then they would take the no and go, okay, well, that's fine. Whatever, you got your own little stick there. You, you know, you don't want it. That's fine. No problem. We'll just go and help someone else. We got this time on our hand. We got our talents. We got our abilities. And so I'm sure there's plenty of other projects we can go get involved in. But no, that's not what they did. Instead... They go and use their time and use their energy and use their finances to hire counselors to go and to cause trouble in the land and to try and stop the building, trouble them while they were building and to frustrate the purposes and for, again, a long period of time. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's sometimes you had to give some tough no's. And maybe you've had to bear the responsibility and the, the results of saying no. Maybe there's people that you said no to didn't take it so well. And maybe they had wrong intent to begin with. And then they go about causing you problems under the pretext that you hurt their feelings, that you said no to them. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've had some hard decisions to make. And people have come to offer some help in some way, shape, or form. And for whatever reason, you had to say no. And you couldn't take their help. I guess the Zerubbabel might have been at this point, like I often am, second-guessing whether or not no was the right answer. Maybe he's thinking, maybe I should have just hired them and just, you know, underpaid them or given them such hard work that they'd quit, you know, or something like that. Uh, but he didn't, and now they're bearing the consequences. And it lasts quite some time under difficult trials. You know, some people, it's just so crazy in the world today. People just, just, just can't, and I guess it's always been that way, right? It goes back to Zerubbabel's time, it goes back... Uh, to Cain's day, it goes back to Lucifer leaving heaven. That people, if they didn't get their way, they just want to just trouble you and trouble you and trouble you kind of nonstop. Again, for 10 to 20 years, they continued this, this shenanigans, causing problems. And people cause us problems at times. You know, it's horrible. You know, now it's written here. It's been written for thousands of years. And today, people will post things about you and write about you and Facebook about you. And, you know, you post something, it's your page or whatever. Right? And they want to, they don't like it. They got to bash you. They got to, you know, it's crazy. And there it stays forever. Even if they undo it, it's in some cloud somewhere and somebody can find it somehow. It's out there if they really want to find it. It's just the just crazy world we're living in with this communication just going so fast that people are able to just cause problems, try and frustrate other people's lives. You know, and it could be, you know, they, they oftentimes, 
when people are not happy with us and they, they do these things against us and they hire counselors against us and they trouble us in our lives and in our work, it usually doesn't have anything to do with us. Usually doesn't have anything to do with you. You just happen to be in their way at the time. They had a bad day. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Their father didn't have, have a puppy or they got bit by a cat somewhere along the line, you know, or someone pulled their hair. Or they just, you know. Just somehow, somewhere along the line, something went wrong and they've never forgiven. They've never gotten over it. They've never gone on with life. And they just shooting darts left and right, randomly, and you just happen to be in the way. You just happen to get hit by them. Most often, it's not that personal. Most often, when people are out there just troubling people, they're troubling everybody and anyone they can find. And the best thing we can do is just keep doing what God has called us to do. Verse 6, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem in this fashion. So they hired counselors, they frustrated the plans, and now it's going to tell us how they frustrated the plans. They started to write letters and accusations. And maybe you've had accusations written about you. An accusation said about you. Maybe some co-worker, maybe some family member, maybe some neighbor contacted the homeowners association you know some of those guys they're they're more powerful than than the u.s government you know <laughs> or at least they think so you know, they're out there causing trouble so they write some letters to the king from rehom the commander the people of persia and babylon and shushan and the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Osnapur took captive and settled in the cities of Samaria and the remainder beyond the river and so forth from your servants, the men of the region beyond the river and so forth. That's some letter, huh? And so forth this and so forth that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> we have been taken captive and we've been settled here. And this is what happened. Nebuchadnezzar took us captive. The Assyrians took the Israelites captive and Nebuchadnezzar took Judah captive. And then they brought other people that they took captive from other lands and they moved them in to these lands. And we see it later on, Samaria being a mixture even in Yeshua's day. Not the Yeshua in this chapter, but the Yeshua, the Messiah. Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem and are building the rebellious and evil city and are finishing its walls and repairing its foundations. You know, in some news, it's just not totally accurate. Here, the city hasn't been occupied in 70 years, or by this point, 80 years or more. How can they call it a rebellious and evil city? It's been desolate. Jackals running across it. Weeds and plants growing up in it. A rebellious and evil city is being rebuilt. You know, it's the slant, it's the twist, it's the spin that they put on the news that is often most revealing. Let it be known to the king that if this city is built and the walls completed, they will not pay tax, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished. Since we receive support from this, the palace, it is not proper for us to see the king's dishonor. Oh, how noble of them. They don't want the king dishonored. And so that's why they're writing this letter. Right? Oh, I'm so concerned for them. I thought I'd let you know what I think about them or what they've been doing. That's how gossip often, let's pray for them. Let me tell you about them so we can pray together about that person for that person. And so they're so noble and so caring. And here they're also prophets. Not only are they declaring it an evil and wicked city, a rebellious city, but if you, if you let them build it, they're not going to pay taxes. How do they know they're not going to pay taxes? They're not going to pay taxes and, and they're not going to give tribute or custom and you're going to run out of money. 
your treasury is going to be diminished as a result. And not only are you going to suffer, we may suffer because we've been getting money from you. They're just predicting things, right? And again, in our lives, maybe you've had accusations said about you, your motives being questioned, not just your actions, but your motives, your thoughts, your intent. And not only that, they're predicting what you're going to do in the future. And if you don't take care of this right now, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And you're going to run out of money. And you're going to be in a bad situation as a result. And that's what they're telling the king. Verse 14, therefore we have sent and informed the king that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers. And you will find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and provinces, and that they have incited sedition within the city in former times, for which cause this city was destroyed. And if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river. So here again, they're mixing some true facts. Yes, the city was destroyed because there was some rebellion. And, but there were also prophets here and predicting, you're not even going to have, they're going to rebel again, they're saying, and you're, you're going to lose dominion there. As if these 50,000 Jews who left uh, Persia with the king's blessing are going to be able to take over the, the Persian army and liberate the land. I mean, that'd be pretty far-fetched. That's what their prediction is. Your treasury is going to be hurt and they're going to receive and not give you taxes. And they're going to rebel. And they say, go ahead, search it for yourself. Check it out for yourself. And the king sent an answer to Rehum, the commander, and to the rest of the companions who dwell in Samaria and to the remainder beyond the river, peace and so forth. The latter with you sent to us has been clearly read before me I gave the command, and search has been made, and it was found that. So here the guy did take them up on their challenge. He is searching the land. He is searching the records, rather, to find out whether their accusations have any validity to it. And that's pretty good. You know, he's taking, he's taking into consideration the complaint, and that's good, right? I mean, if we had a complaint and we had to go to the boss or to the mayor or to the council or whatever because of some problem, we'd want them to take it seriously. We'd want them to look into it, right? And so the king looks into it. And he also writes to them, peace and so forth. <laughs> and they find that this city in former times has revolted against kings and rebellion and sedition has been fostered in it. Now that amazes me, that they had record of that. You know, they didn't have a search engine, they didn't have DuckDuckGo or anything like that. They could just type into a computer and just say, you know, Jerusalem Rebellion or whatever and, and bring this up. And, this was, and the rebellion took place and the destruction took place under Babylon. And it's no longer Babylon. Babylon's been destroyed and taken over or, or, or lost the war. And now it's Medo-Persia. And yet Medo-Persia has the records that Babylon had 80 years ago. And they were able to find that. That's pretty amazing. I can't find what I filed two weeks ago, let alone something from 80 years ago. And they go and they find it. I mean, they must have had some librarian or something like that, right? Or some keeper of the, of the records. And Persia, you know, Persia and Babylon, they ruled over a lot of nations, as were some of them were already listed. And they kept records of all this, and they were able to find these records and these scrolls that had this. And these scrolls, after 80 years, none of them rotted, none of them, none of them got eaten by mice and rats, and, and they're still intact, and they're able to still read it. It absolutely amazes me. They were able to pull that out. And today, 
Everything we do is being recorded. Everything is being tracked. Everything is being put somewhere in some cloud somewhere in some computer database somewhere. And it may be retrieved 80 years from now and brought forth. So they find out the record and they, yeah, well, that part of the story is true. That city was a rebellious city. And there have also been mighty kings over Jerusalem who have ruled over all the region beyond the river and tax and tribute and custom were paid to them. Well, this must be talking about people like David and Solomon, maybe Hezekiah and some other kings who, who ruled over other areas, Edom, Moab, Ammon, and had tribute paid to them. How on earth do they have records that old? How on earth do they have those records? there in Persia. That absolutely amazes me. But they found it. And so, not only were they a rebellious city 80 years ago, they also had strong kings who did reign mightily. And that could be a threat. But there again, that was 80 years ago. And over a hundred years ago. It doesn't mean they're a threat today. That doesn't mean there's sedition today. That doesn't mean there's rebellion today. How would you like it? If someone appointed you to some job and some people came and brought up your records from 40 years ago when you were in high school, and said, that applies to you today. 80 years ago. How does that apply today? But that's what they did. And if they did it then, don't think it won't be done again today and in the future. You have to be careful how we live. And not only us, we might be bearing the brunt of what our parents and grandparents did. And maybe you've experienced some of that. Maybe you've experienced persecution, again, not because of you, but because of the name you carry, because of your parents, because of your lineage, where you were born or how you were born, or your race or your nationality. And they're holding it against them from generations ago. And he's saying the record says this about these people. I looked at the record. I looked at their past. And maybe you've had some things held against you because of deeds that were done by others. And it's affected you. It also tells us we need to be careful how we live. Because we leave a record as well. How we live our lives will affect the next generation and generations to come. The things we do, the things we say, the things we tweet, the things we post, the things we write, will be held against us, like they say, when you get uh, the police uh, pulls you over, arrest you. Whatsoever you say can and will be held against you. Well, they could add to that what you say will and can be held against you and your generations after you. Your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and your nephews and your friends and your associates. And that's what they're doing here. They're bringing up these records and they're holding it against them. We have to be very careful how we live our lives. None of us are an island. What we do, what we say, affects others. And most importantly, who we represent. We're here to represent God. And how we live and what we do will reflect back on God because people will blame God for what we do and how we live and what we say and our actions. Not that that's right and it's not right, nor is it right for us to be condemned for something our parents and grandparents did. But there are unjust people out there. There are unjust kings. There are unjust accusers. 
who will do that. And that's just reality. So we need to think not only how does this affect me, but how will my actions affect others? How will other people think or view this action? And we think none of this record should have been there, at least as far as the rebellion, if they would have listened to Jeremiah. Jeremiah told the kings, submit to Nebuchadnezzar, and it will go better with us, it will go well with us. And they refused to listen to Jeremiah. And because they refused, they rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, and it was there in the record against us. How important we follow the word of God. And it goes back. We're still bearing the, they were bearing the results of that. We're still bearing the results in this earth because of Abraham's sin. We're still bearing the results of Adam and Eve's sin. It continues for generation to generation. The legacy we leave will affect others even long after it's done. Verse 21, and now give the command, this is the king still writing, now give the command to make these men cease that this city might not be built until the command is given by me. Take heed now that you do not fail to do this. Why should damage increase to the hurt of the kings? So he heard their report. He believed their report. He did some search. It confirmed, at least to a part, their report. And he comes down with his edict. That's not just. That's not fair. That's not right. Because he didn't get all of the facts. He didn't hear all of the story. He didn't call Zerubbabel in. He didn't call Yeshua in and the other leaders and ask them. Well, we see this record that it was rebellious in Jerusalem in the past. These guys are saying you're going to not pay taxes and you're going to rebel again. Is that the fact? Is that the truth? Is that what you're planning? Is that why you left Persia? Is that why you went back? Is that why you're building the city? He didn't go to the source to find out for himself. And we have to be careful, very careful, of listening to hearsay, listening to one side of the story, or judging just on past actions. When someone comes to you and wants to tell you about someone else, the first thing we should say is, do I really need to hear about this? Does this really concern me? Can I actually have a part in helping to help this situation? And if they answer in the affirmative, then you should say, the second thing is, well, you know, if I listen to you, I'm going to have to listen to the other side as well. I'm going to have to go and speak to the person that you're telling me about. I'm going to have to find out their side of the story. And if there's other people involved, I may have to talk to them as well. Do you still want to tell me your side of the story? And then you also have to decide yourself whether or not you have the time and the energy or in a position to listen to their side and the other side and three or four other sides and make a determination and then give your advice if that's what they're wanting. And if you're really in that position of influence to play that role. But the king, he is in that role, but he didn't do that. He didn't tell them, okay, I'll search the records, but I'm also going to have to talk to them and find out what they have to say. And of course, they would have hired counselors as well. They would have found some Jewish lawyer, and he would have come and said, yeah, but Cyrus said we can build. Look at this record here. We've got a command from your father to go and build. And that supersedes the past. And the past was the past. And this is a new day. But he didn't do that. And so he makes a command 
to make the men cease the building of the temple. And sometimes we get involved in the middle of things that we shouldn't be involved in. We hear one side of the story and go, oh my, that sounds horrible. And I'm sure it sounds horrible coming from that one side. And then we give our opinion, we give our judgment, and then we take sides. And we get involved even in our minds when we really shouldn't have. And so he makes this edict, cease the, the, the building, and it affects them for a long period of time. Based on what the kings didn't do in listening, what the kings did in not listening to Jeremiah. Because of past actions. In verse 23, and when a copy of the letter was read to Rehom and the companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and by force of arms made them cease. Thus the work of the house of God which is in Jerusalem ceased. And it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So because of some disgruntled neighbors, because a king didn't get all of the evidence and hear all of the sides, the work of God ceased. And not just any work of God. This is a work of God that was prophesied by several different prophets. Jeremiah said, after 70 years, you're going to go back and build Jerusalem. Daniel prophesied it. Isaiah calls Cyrus by name hundreds, over 100 years in advance that he's going to allow Jerusalem to be rebuilt. This is from God. This is definitely from God. And not only is it definitely from God, the people there, these 50,000, they gave, again, they sacrificed their lives, their time, they gave up their homes, they gave up their land, they gave up their jobs. Whatever they had built up in, in 70 years in Persia, they walked away from. To come to a place that has no industry, no markets, no jobs, no houses, no roads, everything broken up, worse than none, everything in ruins. They have to demolish so they can repair. And rebuild. Trees growing through homes. They have to start all over. And they sacrificed and they gave their time, their energy, their lives. They gave their money we read last week. And they start building. And so they're dedicated people serving God. Putting God first. They're not there for profit. They're not there for, for self. They're there, they build a temple, they start building the temple. The first thing they build is the altar so they can sacrifice and receive forgiveness of sins. Pointing forward to the Messiah, they have their priorities straight. These are good people. They've done nothing wrong. And sometimes in our lives, we've done nothing wrong. And yet we bear the responsibility and the results of other people's actions. Sometimes we're doing right and we're, walk, we're serving God and trying to serve God and stumbling blocks come in the way and mess us up. And then on top of that, sometimes we end up with some of Job's friends coming along and telling us it's all our fault. Must be some sin in your life that God's condemning you for this. And that's not the case here. Zerubbabel was dedicated to God. Yeshua was dedicated to God. These people gave their time, their money, their talents in building up the temple for the Lord. And the work has to cease. And they're troubled in the land. Because of some disgruntled people. Who didn't get their diaper changed sometime when they were a baby or something like that. They're still upset. And some king who's not a just king, who never read the book of Proverbs or didn't follow it, not just, not right, took sides and made a decision that affects their lives. And maybe you've experienced that.
Maybe you had some edict come down on you and you've lost a job or lost a position or something in your life, something in your marriage, something in your family, something in your neighborhood. You've borne the results of someone else's wrong choices. Well, if that's the case, we're in good company. Because such is the manner of life on this earth. We're not in heaven. I would imagine many of us, when we came to the Lord, we thought, everything's going to go great now. I'm God's child now. I've committed my life to him. I've surrendered to him. I've been immersed in him. He's forgiven me. He loves me. Everything's going to go great now. Only to find out that troubles come along the way. We're led into the wilderness and tempted and tried. Hurting and, hu and hungry. And that's how it is on this earth. You know, those who hear prosperity messages that everything's going to go great with you, you just do this and you do that and everything's going to go great, we're in for a letdown. Because that's just not reality on this earth. Yeshua didn't have it easy. Moses didn't have it easy. David didn't have it easy. Abraham didn't have it easy. A friend of God didn't have it easy. Nobody has it easy here. Because there is an adversary. He's the accuser of the brethren. And we're not in heaven yet. So if you're experiencing trials and troubles, well, that's just par for the course. No temptation that's taken you, but such is common to mankind. But with every temptation, God will give a way of escape. He will help us through it. And so even though this is where the chapter ends, the work was stopped. And again, not of any fault of their own. And again, work that God ordained and prophesied should be done. God doesn't always get his way on this earth. And neither do we. God's, been, his plans, God's plans have been frustrated for the last 6,000 years because of Adam and Eve's choice. His plans have been frustrated in the universe because of Lucifer's choice. But thankfully, that's not where the story is. Might be where the chapter ends, but it's not where the book ends. Not the book of Esther, nor the book of the Bible. Nor the history of the earth or the history of the universe. Because it says that the work in Jerusalem ceased and it was discontinued until the second year. So there's an until there. Right? And our lives have been put on hold and we've gone through problems and struggles and trials until... The day of redemption. There's an until, until the Lord returns. Until he takes us out of this earth. Until he creates a new heavens and new earth. We're going to have problems on this earth. But there is an until coming. There is an end to Satan and, and his plans and his accusations. And so sometimes we receive problems that have nothing to do with us. We could be right with God and doing right with God. Right? You know, we hear that the Bible says, you know, give your tithes and offerings and, and you'll receive pressed down and pouring over and overflowing. The windows of heaven poured out for you and the, and the uh, devourer will be taken away. They, they will not be able to devour your crops and God will protect and God will bless. And so we do that, and then things don't always go so great. You know, we give, and we're thinking, this is going to be wonderful, and someday I'm going to be in one of Bob's books that he reads, and this testimony is going to be great, this problem's coming, but the locusts are going to leave, and it's going to be wonderful, and I'm going to give praise to God. And yet then everything collapses. And we think, where is God? Where is he? I was walking in the light, I was doing what was right, I was following the word of God. Where is the promises? 
Jeremiah said it, Daniel said it, Isaiah said it. Where's the promises? And for a bunch of years, the work ceased. And sometimes that's how it is in our lives. But again, that's not the end. God will still fulfill his promises. The blessings will still come. And they might be on resurrection morning or maybe before. But God will come through. He will fulfill his promises. He will take care of us in his way, what he knows is best. He is sovereign and he knows what's best. And if it's best for us to go through troubles because of some bigger plan, he allows it. He allowed these guys to have free will. He allowed this king to make his choice. Even though God sets the kings up and brings them down. He doesn't always bolt the lightning down from heaven the moment this person does wrong. He gives them time as well to repent of their deeds. And often it's a test for us. And sometimes going through the problem is just so that we'll be able to testify to someone else. This is reality. This story is reality in our lives. This is Bible reality over and over and over again in the Bible. There's problems in the land. There's problems on this earth. Now we can react to that and look at that and say, well, that's horrible. And that's discouraging. And I don't like it here on this earth. And we shouldn't like it here on this earth. And we can blame God. Or we can say, I don't like it here on this earth. And thus, by God's grace and by God's power, I'm going to do everything I can to hasten his coming to get us out of this earth. So that the new heavens and new earth will be established. So that the Lord will take us to the mansions he's preparing for us. And we can all do our part and get out of this place. And sometimes I think God allows these troubles so that we won't get so attached to this earth. So that we will hate this place. So that we will long for heaven. So we can go home. And so sometimes we experience this stuff even when we did nothing wrong like Zerubbabel here and Isaiah and uh, Yeshua and these others did nothing wrong. And sometimes it's because others, our family members in the past have done wrong. Sometimes it is because we do wrong. But whatever the case, we can ask forgiveness. We can receive forgiveness for mistakes we have made. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah. We can even ask forgiveness for the sins of our fathers and grandfathers and forefathers. Third and fourth generation or all the way back to the beginning of time. We can ask forgiveness and allow God to cut, lay the axe at the root and cut it down. And stop the generational curses that are taking place. We can pray and receive God's grace and forgiveness and mercy. And eventually we'll see the better results. Because of that. Sometimes we just need to accept the situation we're in. Right? Have you ever seen the sign, poop happens, or something along that line, right? Sometimes it just happens, you know? It just happens that way. You know, it just sometimes rains. It sometimes rains out our parade, and that's just sometimes what happens. And we just sometimes need to learn to deal with that. And just accept that. It's just reality. Don't get discouraged. Keep on waiting upon the Lord. How many times do the scriptures say, wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord. Wait patiently upon the Lord. We have to wait. Wait for him to work it out. He's going to work it out. Eventually. Maybe not in our lifetime. <laughs> Maybe not in my day. But eventually, it's all going to work out. He will work all things together for good. To those who love God, those called according to his purpose. All things. And if it takes all that stuff to get us to heaven, then praise the Lord, it'll get us to heaven. If it causes us to hate this earth, then praise the Lord. I know a lady, she got smashed in the face with a rock, a young girl, defigured the rest of her life. Later on in life, she had a twin sister. Later on in life, she said, if I wouldn't have been hit like that and I looked like my sister, I might have become vain. I might have become proud. I might have become worldly. And so if God has used this to keep me 
with him, then praise the Lord. We can have that kind of attitude, or we can be hating God and hating life and discouraged. We can choose to trust. God knows what's best. He'll work this out. He'll work this out together for good. If not in my life, for somebody else. And that's what counts. And so as we prepare to pray, and we think about our own lives and this story in relation to us, and the reality that we live in, and that's where the chapter ends. Not all stories have a happy pause in the chapter. Not all days in our life are going to end bright and happy. Not all weeks are going to end great. Not all months, not all years. But the, king, the key is to end well. End trusting in the Lord. That's what matters. And so as we prepare to pray, if you can relate to some parts of this story. If you've been experiencing difficulties in your life, because of your own sins, because of your own mistakes, in a moment when we pray, ask God's forgiveness, claim his forgiveness because of the sacrifice of the Messiah. Accept the results and bear patiently and wait upon the Lord to redeem you out of it. Secondly, if you're going through a hard time and experiencing troubles, maybe because, again, you had to say no to someone one time or another, Maybe you're in a position having to decide whether to say no to someone. May God give you the grace to give the right answer, whether a no or a yes, some help or some assistance. And whatever the consequences may be, may God give you the wisdom to make the right choice and to do the right thing and give the right answer regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequences that come through it. So if you're in a situation needing to make some decision like that, then that's, ask God to give you the grace and the wisdom to make the right decision, even if it's a hard decision. Thirdly, if you've been approached by someone and haven't received all the information and got all the sides of the story and you've come down on some edict and made some decision or given some counsel or given some comment or allowed it to affect you in some way, shape, or form. As we prepare to pray, ask God to cleanse you of that, forgive you for that, give you the ability to go and make it right in whatever way you can, or to not do it again by his grace, by his power. Fourth, if you're going through some difficulty, some situation, because of someone else's sin, because of your neighbor's sin, because of your ancestors' sins. And as we pray, let's ask God to just give us patience to wait it out and ask him to work it out together for good in spite of it. In spite of their wrong, in spite of their fault. And what are we up to? Five or six, whatever it is. If, uh, if you're experiencing trouble because of generational sins, other sins, sins of other people, and let's ask forgiveness, God's forgiveness against them and a breaking of those curses and of those mistakes so that they don't continue to affect us and trouble us. So if any of those areas or maybe some other area God spoke to you through this historical account, let God do his work in your life. Or maybe God's talking to you on some other level or some other thing you're going through. And God speaking to your heart, let him do his work, whatever your need is. Let him meet your need according to his riches and glory. And may he give us patience and sustain us here on this earth until that last until, until that last day. He that endures until the end shall be saved. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we're thankful that you grant to us patient endurance. And one of the identifications of your saints is that patient endurance. So Lord, give us patient endurance through the troubles we experience here on this earth. 
Help us through whatever trouble we're going through right now, whatever difficulty we're experiencing right now. Whether it's the sins of our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents or generationally all the way back to Adam and Eve. Or whether it's because of our own sins. Or whether it's because of the sins of our neighbors or family members or people at work or whatever reason or some king or some edict or some president. Lord, we want to surrender it all to you. We ask, want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us trust and faith. Work all these things out together for good. Because we choose to love you. And we are called by your grace according to your purpose. Forgive us, Lord, for making hasty decisions. Forgive us for listening to half of stories. Forgive us for not getting all the facts. Forgive us for jumping to conclusions. Forgive us for influencing other people's lives. Forgive us for accusing others. Forgive us for holding grudges. Forgive us for letters that we've written, for accusations we've made, false prophecies we've proclaimed. Forgive us for hurting people's lives. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that your eyes are still upon us and you will see us through. Hold us, hold on to us and hold us fast. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.